Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Spoiler alert. Updating the World Cup semifinal. Lionel Messi has just scored on a penalty click. Argentina leads Croatia 1-0 in the 34th minute. Welcome back, everybody, to Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer and Brendan Escott with you. Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris is open Tuesday through Sunday from 5 until 10 p.m. Now's the time to book your Christmas parties. You can reach Roos Chris and contact Chris, Chef Eltuff, and Brendan and the gang, and they'll take care of you. As we head off to the River Cree Resort and Casino Hotline, every Tuesday on Oilers Now for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta presenting live standard bed racing Friday and Saturday at Century Mile. Uh, we are pleased to have aboard Daily Faceoffs, Frank Saravalli, one of the most plugged in men in the business. Frank, how are you doing? Pretty good, Bob. How are you? Good. Tell me the truth. Have you been watching the World Cup? I know you're not the biggest soccer fan. Have you been watching it at all? Not really. I kind of lost interest once Canada and the U.S. were out. So it's been a little bit harder to kind of stay into it. And plus, it's just been a busy last couple of weeks. Games happening, you know, in the morning and in the afternoon. Like, there's work to be done. It's not playtime. Yeah, well, uh, and the biggest story in the States uh, right now on ESPN has nothing to do with the World Cup and the NHL. Actually has to do uh, with the passing of a legendary college football coach uh, whose nickname was the pirate and is, is considered one of the most influential coaches of all time a guy who found a way to have highly competitive teams at what we'd consider mid-sized programs that's the passing of mike leach uh, he had the air raid uh offense at uh texas tech back in the day and most recently uh, was at mississippi state and he is he was a lawyer by trade and a, a very bright guy and had some of the greatest quotes ever and something you can certainly appreciate it he uh he had people entertained at the best of times passed away at the age of 61 due to some heart complications but uh, definitely a a highly entertaining figure not controversial but highly entertaining in terms of the history of college football the last 20 years I would say that he was a reporter's dream. You'd stick out a microphone or a recorder and never quite know what you were going to get. Is there somebody like that in the NHL right now for coaches? John Tortorella is probably the closest, except Tortorella is way more condescending and probably controversial. Um, right. You just think of the quotes that he's had even this season to this point. Uh, read between the lines. He's not shy at all in pointing out that the Flyers are a team that really lacks talent. Well, and he's, I mean, they've signed guys like Hayes and even Travis Sanheim. Uh, uh, D'Angelo, did D'Angelo just not get healthy scratch there as well? He did. Yep. Yeah. 
So there's a guy that you have a connection to, a, a really good offensive defenseman. And Torts is, uh, well, Torts is Torts. It's his show, and we all we all know that about him. All right, let's start with the NHL Board of Governors uh, meetings, which are taking place down in West Palm Beach. What's the biggest? I know that uh, you just popped a piece up on Daily Faceoff, but what's your biggest takeaway from it? Well, I think, really, everyone wanted to know heading into this meeting, what's the situation with the NHL salary cap? And finally got a little bit more clarity today from NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman, who said essentially... The way things are trending at this very moment, the league is still going to have a debt that needs to be repaid to them by players at the end of this season. That debt is approximately $70 million, according to the commissioner, which means that 96% of it will have been repaid. But unfortunately for teams like the Oilers and other teams that would like to see this cap be increased in a significant way this summer in order for that to happen the debt needs to be repaid in full or else the memorandum of understanding that exists with the pa and the agreement calls for the salary cap to just increase by one million dollars for next season if any amount of money remains outstanding so we could be facing a situation unless there's as i wrote in my piece today a deep playoff run by multiple big market teams that can close a 140 or $150 million revenue gap that would be needed to retire all of it. We could be faced with essentially a fourth straight season of a frozen or flat salary cap, which kind of feels like rain uh, on the parade. Um, Just in terms of the Canadian dollar, it's currently trading at 74 cents U.S., uh, I know there are some economists who have tried to tell me that the best case scenario for the Canadian dollars it's, uh, because of uh, U.S. travel into Canada would come in about 84 to 85. I don't know if that's, I'm sure that would be uh, debated vociferously uh, on our Ashley Fine Floors text line at 780-496-0063. So basically what you're saying is Toronto, uh, the New York Rangers as an example, Boston, clubs like, now the Oilers, and you can shed some light on this, because you are one of the most plugged-in guys in the business, but the Oilers, and I'm sure the listeners to the show are aware of this, because they have Rogers Place, are a revenue contributor into revenue sharing. The only year, to my knowledge, when we've had fans that that wasn't the case was the last year at Rexall Place in 1516, and that was the year the Canadian dollar dipped into the uh, low 60s. So there was contributing factors there. But So that's... As you were saying, the Canadian dollar is one way that you can help close the gap if we were to increase significantly. But even if that were to be the case, the NHL said today that would probably only account for 10 to 15 million of the 70 million that needs to be repaid. So it can't all be just a significant change in the Canadian dollar price. But the Oilers, to your point, are a significant revenue contributor. And because of, as fans would know this, high ticket prices at Rogers place. They, a deep playoff run, you know, two, three, four rounds. If you can get to the cup final would be a big boost to the overall league revenue that could get this cap to increase. So the Oilers can actually do themselves a huge favor, both on the ice and off with their salary cap. If they were to go on another deep run. Wow. That's uh and, and in the East Toronto, the Rangers, Boston, 
because I think it's unlikely Montreal. But well, we didn't see Montreal going on a deep run two years ago. But the problem was we were playing in a bubble with 500 fans per game for the games that were in Montreal. Because the I'll Canadians give you two, are another. I'll give you two surprise teams that have been huge revenue drivers for the league, and it's probably just a surprise in terms of the age of the franchise. The Seattle Kraken are a big one. I believe they were in the top 10 in the NHL in revenue last season already in their first year. And the Vegas Golden Knights are another. So if either one of, if the if the Kraken can get in, that would help. If the Golden Knights can go on a deep run, that would also help. And it's my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong here, Frank, basically nine teams put in and nine teams take out and everybody else is kind of in the middle. Is that fair? Yes, that's essentially, I mean, that's a really simplified way of explaining it, but that's essentially how it works. Okay. So um, does this, wow, uh, quick uh, update here. Argentina scored to make it 2-0. They almost scored off a corner kick to make it 3-0. Great save by the Croatian netminer. So Derek Van Deest, who writes for Post Media, told me way back when, uh, before he headed off to the World Cup, that Argentina was the team to beat. Of course, uh, Derek is Chilean and has always favored South American teams. And uh, after Argentina lost their opening game to Saudi Arabia, I sent Derek a text. He still hasn't sent me back. <laughs> Just having fun. <laughs> Sure, he's get. I just hope he's getting decks uh, there. But Argentina's looking pretty good. They're going to have a. Assuming France beats Morocco, that would be a, a major challenge because France is France. France right now, probably the closest to Canada. I would think in terms of the depth of players that they have at the top end position. Of course, the great equalizer in hockey is goaltending. So Frank, uh, let's get to some quick hitters. Then, does that mean? because it appears as though we're looking at 83.5, that teams like Arizona and Anaheim, we saw Pat Verbeek last night at the XL Energy Center, teams with lots of cap space are in a favorable position again because organizations might want to accompany picks to get rid of less desirable contracts. Yeah, I think this year, Bob, at the trade deadline on March 3rd, you could call this the year of the third-party broker because the cap has remained flat for yet another year. It's My guess is that if, if you were to say, you know, you need to wager on which way the salary cap goes for next season, my guess is that given that 96% of the debt will be repaid by the end of this year, that the NHL and the PA come to some sort of agreement or negotiation and understanding on a, a way to increase the salary cap by a few more million dollars this summer and then have it smoothed out as opposed to one big jump two summers from now, that this might be the last year of the third-party broker. I mean, of course, you could see it come into play for some larger transactions later on, but there's nothing more that NHL teams hate than having to give up another asset in what's already a really expensive uh, trade that they're usually making in terms of moving those. So uh, it's not just Anaheim and Arizona. It's also going to be the Chicago Blackhawks. It's going to be the Buffalo Sabres. Um, anyone that can get into that mix. And I think what's really interesting is if you have teams having even a sliver of salary cap space, one team to give you a recent example would be the Florida Panthers and the money that they retained it was uh, something that kind of flew under the radar last year, but Max Domi in a trade that went to the Carolina Hurricanes in quite literally the last minutes before the 3 o'clock deadline, that they were essentially in a spot where they helped the Hurricanes, a team that they might have faced in the playoffs, get one extra player 
in exchange for one late round draft pick. But after a lot of these teams have expended assets in trading for players like a team like Florida, they need to get as many bullets that they can put in their chamber as possible in the draft. And so they're willing to maybe even help an opponent just to get something back and use some of the cap space that they end up losing for nothing at the end of the season. So it's not just the teams that we see on cap friendly that have, you know, a huge projection of salary cap space at the end of the year. It might even be a team that's really close up to it that says, Hey, I've got another hundred grand or 200 grand that I'm not spending on the cap. I'll help you make this trade in exchange for a fifth round pick, whatever the number ends up being. That's something to keep an eye on as well. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. For the horses and horse racing, Alberta, the 7,000 men and women employed in the horse racing and breeding industry, Frank Saravalli. Reminder, live uh, standard bed racing Friday and Saturday out at Century Mile. Frank, uh, let's cut to an Edmonton-centric story that sort of developed last Thursday and Friday, and that's Yessa Pugliarvi. Uh Can you educate our listeners on the market value, if there is any at all, right now for Yessa Pugliarvi out there? I'm not sure that there is any value at the moment, given the way that he's played this season, given the salary cap hit that's attached to his contract. It The Oilers are in a tough spot, and if you're looking at the team in terms of pieces that you might move in order to create salary cap flexibility to go out and do what you need to do at the deadline, yes, Apoliarvi having one goal and six points through the first third of the season at $3 million bucks is isn't going to get it done. He looks like someone that's lost in his game, is struggling to find it. Confidence is quite clearly an issue. Um, and I, I thought, you know, as you mentioned late last week, the quotes that were out there from the story uh, in speaking to Tommy Seppelar, our friend and Finnish correspondent, um, they were certainly eyebrow-raising. And the thing is, even if they want to do pull Yarvi a solid and, and try and move him somewhere – you know, it has to be in a way that's palatable for the Oilers and their overall team needs and, and organizational needs. So, you know, they can't be in a spot where they're paying a significant price in order to get rid of him, and that's sort of where they're at at the moment. So I think they're probably going to have to wait and see what they can develop. So nobody is just going to take on the $3 million bucks. Is that what you're saying? Probably not. I mean, you'd, my guess is at this exact moment in time, you'd probably have to sweeten it a bit. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy when you think about it, Frank. Think of where we were a year ago. Ten goals, 23 points in his first 28 games. We had people, and, and I mean, realistically, 
Uh, you know, I thought, you know, are they going to, are we looking at like a, you know, a four or five year deal for this player? I mean, he's, he's tracking the right way and it's just, uh, fall apart. Uh, Bo Horvat has just released a statement through the Vancouver Canucks about being focused on playing the rest of this year for Vancouver and he will not be commenting on any, on anything, be it uh, potential contract negotiations. What's the latest on that front? like watching the theater of the bazaar a little bit in terms of the way that this has played out with the Canucks. They essentially put themselves in a spot where they, they made other transactions last year, signed other players to contracts that have made re-signing Bo Horvat not impossible, but really difficult to do given their cap situation, given their needs and, and interest in creating salary cap flexibility. And he's gone out and had one of the best contract years, at least to this point in NHL history, you know, you, you think of Johnny Gaudreau in the year that he had last year and how good that was. And there have been other examples, but few guys have absolutely come in in a tough drama filled circumstance and delivered in the way that Bo Horvat has for the Canucks at this point in the season. And you see the news out there. And I reported on this last week myself saying that, um, my belief was the Canucks had re-engaged with the Horvat camp and presented a new and updated offer. Their first initial volley out of the shoot uh, towards the end of the summer was the Ryan Nugent Hopkins contract, eight times 5.125. And that did not go over well. There was certainly, if not anger and frustration, uh, some hurt feelings there from the Horvat camp. And it, it has taken obviously a while to get over that. And even if they re-engage um, you know, and, and presented an offer in the last couple weeks that I believe started with a seven, it's not enough. And I have to think at this point, you know, with Bo Horvat issuing a statement from the Canucks, essentially saying, I'm not talking about this anymore. Don't ask me. I'm not going to be speaking about it publicly. I wonder if there's any part of him that the way this year has unfolded, where it seems like there's constant, drama surrounding this team that maybe just says, you know, the money's probably going to end up being the same just about anywhere. Is there another place I can go that not only do I have a better chance of winning, given what the Canucks are likely about to embark on in terms of a rebuild or retool, but also can I just get away from this constant, um, you know, something's always wrong in that market. I don't know what the issue is, but whether it's on the ice, off the ice, they, they can never stop stepping in it. And and I think maybe at some point he wants to get away from that. Uh, Chicago continues to struggle. Uh, we've talked a lot about them. Is Provorov available from the Flyers? I think in the right deal he is. Like I think the Flyers had went through a process, and it wasn't this summer. It was actually last season at the trade deadline where I believe Chuck Fletcher was engaged with a number of different teams on, hey, really just a market check, a market valuation. It's actually exactly what the Canucks are going through right now with Horvat is who's in the mix and what would you pay? And I think they had some very initial surface-level discussions, not just on Provorov, but also on Travis Konechny, who's had a strong start to his year under John Tortorella, that you know, if push came to shove and the Flyers needed to do something – which I'm still not entirely certain what their mandate is and what Chuck Fletcher would like to accomplish, but that's essentially the process that they started 
I don't know, call it eight, nine months ago, that never really picked up in earnest this summer that you could see start again. By the way, is, is Rich Delaney even playing? Uh, he has been playing, um, and he's certainly had a tough start to the season under John Tortorella, but also uh, he did ask the Coyotes. He, he started overtime, I believe, uh, against the Coyotes over the weekend, and uh, that made life pretty easy for them as Clayton Keller delivered the OT winner. But I think the real surprise, as you mentioned briefly, was Tony D'Angelo. You know, now two years you know, we've seen a number of years now, consistent 60-point producer in the NHL. How does taking that guy out of the lineup help you win? If that's what the mandate is, I'm not entirely certain. Oh, man. Uh, I didn't realize Rich Lannan doesn't have a point in 22 games this year. The guy's making $5.1 million on a long-term deal. That is, uh, I've never been in, you know, there, there's, there, there always looks like there should be more there. You know, like the Oilers fans are, we had a lot of Oilers fans not happy at 9.25 with Darnell Nurse. You know, it's, and it's going to be tough for him because he's not on the first unit power play to put up 50, 60 points in the season. But he's been a consistent plus, and some people say, ah, oh, stop, you're a loser, plus minus, doesn't matter. Take a look at Rasmus Ristolainen's plus minus in his career and take a look at Darnell's. Okay. Yeah, I believe Rasmus Ristolainen minus 178 for his career, which is a lot of goals against. Yeah, uh, to your point, it's interesting that you mentioned Pugliarvi and maybe the Oilers at, at varying instances last season when he got off to a good start might have been looking at a three, four, or five-year deal. With Ristolainen, he didn't even have a good start like that last year, never really played well for the Flyers, and they had given up so much to get him the previous year that they were saying to themselves, well, maybe we just have to keep this guy. And it's almost kind of like throwing good money after bad. Maybe the Oilers, you're going to spin it in a positive way, only ended up with one year of Pugliarvi, one additional year instead of three, four, or five. Say what you want about Darnell. He doesn't play in the first unit power play. Um, he's had, you know, uh, seasons of 16, 10, and 9 goals. He's plus 56 the last three years. Like, you know, you can complain. And, and people say, oh, it's because he plays with McDavid. And I might be inclined to play him more with Drysaddle as an example in the future when Leon goes back to centering his own line. Edmonton's not the same team as you know, Frank, without Evander Kane in the lineup. Like, he changes no, their top six. It's a big line. They don't have McLeod, which is a loss as well. And we both think they're getting one, if not two, forwards between now and the deadline on top of those guys back. So I, I wanted be- to point out, too, um, just in speaking about Ristolainen, really kind of how good the Sabres have looked on their back end. If you still have Ristolainen, do you find out what Matthias Samuelson is? And a lot of people think, and clearly the Sabres do as well, that he's a huge part of their their back end for the next number of years. But you've got Power, Darlene, and then, um, of course, Samuelson. And in exchange for a guy in Ristolainen that you probably don't have room for at this exact exact moment in time, you get Robert Haig last year at the deadline plus a first-round pick that ended up being number 14 overall and a 2023 second in what is essentially if the Flyers finish you know, sort of in the neighborhood that they did last year, could be a top-five pick in the second round in what many are expecting to believe an incredibly deep draft. So. Um, just a little shout out to Kevin Adams there in Buffalo. All right, there, Frank. Great stuff. Uh, thanks again for joining us here in Oilers Now. 
Thanks, Bob. Take care. From Daily Faceoff, that's Frank Saravalli for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta, presenting live standard bid racing each Friday and Saturday at Century Mile. For more information, visit thehorses.com. We are going to get to the Oilers Now injury report, brought to you all season long by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. I know that there's a couple stories out there in Evander Kane's work uh, with uh, James H. Brown. as a donor to assist uh, underprivileged children uh, in in purchasing some Christmas gifts out there. It's a great story that's been out there for the last three or four days. Of course, Evander Kane out after having the deep skate cut on his wrist. He is skating back at Edmonton. Ryan McLeod out with a lower body issue, still out a couple more weeks. Warren Fogle has a core issue. He is closing in on a potential return. Four defensemen out for Nashville. McDonough who's plus 216 in his NHL career. Just a real good shutdown D-man. Uh, they don't have uh, Carrier or Jeremy Lazan or Borvietsky. So they basically got three minor leaguers, uh, former leader Kevin Gravel, Roland McEwen, a second-round pick of the Kings back in 2014, and Jordan Gross, who had a 65-point season last year for Colorado in the A. Those guys are up and playing tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. Do want to mention to you at this time, if you're looking for a great holiday gift, you can join Oilers now in Vegas this January to see the Oilers play their Pacific Division rivals, the Vegas Golden Knights. This is a new West travel hockey package. It includes airfare, three nights at the five-star Cosmopolitan Hotel on the Strip, great game tickets, and a welcome reception with yours truly for the Oilers now hockey road trip. Reach out to newwesttravel.com. It is 12.57 in Edmonton. And we are going to head off to a global news weather traffic update with Kevin Robertson. And when we come back, uh, Chris Mason with a Nashville Predators perspective. He's a color analyst on their television broadcast. This is Oilers Now.